0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a AM member FDIC. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host... Joe Welcome back to Cover 2 Broncos. I am
1: Joe Rowles and today I am joined by the Gazette's George Stoya. Uh, Thanks for joining me. I'm pretty excited.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pumped to be here. I know we've had some interactions on Twitter, so uh, nice to sort of finally meet you. But uh, I'm excited to talk some football.
1: So, kind of before we get going, I I wanted to bug you about this just because I know that you're an OU grad. Uh, and obviously if the Broncos quarterback situation does not work out as I think everyone hopes, uh, we're all kind of looking to next year's draft. And obviously Spencer Rattler is kind of the guy for uh, next year's draft. Uh, I assume you've been keeping up with him. Uh, what are the odds that he does not go number one? Because I don't think the Broncos are going to have the first overall pick.
0: I think it's low, uh, just because if. And, and maybe I'm biased because I am from OU and I've, I've seen Spencer play a lot more than um, say Sam Howell, who is getting a lot of praise, uh, Slovis. Um, you know, there's a couple other guys that, that got the kid from, I think Liberty is another one that's kind of shot up draft boards. Um, I just think that unless one of those guys go out there and have just a remarkable season, which is possible. I think a guy like Sam Howell, if, if you know, he leads North Carolina, the college football playoff, uh, he obviously had a great season. Um But I think when you look at the way Spencer Rattler is able to throw the ball uh, and the things that he can do athletically and and just, again, the way the ball comes out of his hand is just different. Um, And, and, you know, I covered Baker Mayfield and and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts during my time at at OU. And so I I got to see three pretty good quarterbacks. And really, Kyler and Baker are on a different level in terms of being able to throw the football. Uh, And Spencer is right there. I mean, Spencer is right there in terms of, uh, how the ball comes out of his hands and, and where he's able to put uh, the ball in terms of placement down the field and, and things like that. I mean, he made some throws this last season that I was like, Holy crap, this dude, this dude's legit. And uh, you know, I think it, 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 I mean, obviously he needs to have a good season this year to go number one. Um, but the sense that I get is that he's definitely leaving after this year. Like there's there's probably no chance, even if he doesn't have a great season, mm-hmm. uh, he's still going to the NFL. Uh, And I think because, again, of all the intangibles that he has, he's probably going to be the number one pick or at least the first quarterback taken, depending on, you know, who has that pick. Um, But I I think the biggest thing with Spencer that you want to see this this year with him is his decision making. And I know Broncos fans um, know all about quarterbacks who have, you know, great talent. Uh, A guy like Drew Locke, who I think we all agree, um, he's got pretty good talent in terms of arm talent. Uh, it's his decision making that's pretty questionable, and I know we'll get into that later. But Spencer, if you go back and you watch the film last year, he missed some plays. Uh, he missed some some big plays down the field that I think he would have, you know, wanted to have back. And and again, he was just a freshman, really redshirt freshman last year. Um, and so those are things that you can correct. But when you consider the type of talent he has in terms of throwing the ball, I don't see how he he doesn't go number one.
1: Yeah, same. Uh, and that's kind of one of those things. Like when I've been talking about the quarterback class, I'm not very optimistic about next year's class. Uh, the rookies coming out and basically the way I've looked at it is I basically ignore Rattler just because I just don't think he's within reach. Um, the Broncos yep. would have to have a season like last year, except things fall out the bottom, even worse. And I just don't see that happening. There's too much talent on the roster. So good to, could a dream. Maybe he has, you know, a, ba- <laughs> a bad year, maybe some sort of stupid character question or something comes up that people overthink. Um, but yeah, had to ask you, so. Uh,
0: yeah, no, I, I think he's a good quarterback. So he, I think same. Denver, whoever gets him, I think would be lucky to have him. It's just going to be about, can they develop him into a good decision maker?
1: Yeah. Uh, but obviously I didn't have you on here just to talk about Spencer Rattler. Um, I, <laughs> and again, li- listeners probably know this already that I'm actually not at training camp. Uh, I rely very heavily on what you mm. report out of camp because you do a really good job of, not only sharing what you're seeing, but giving us the details that kind of provide the context that really, for me, it really helps. Just because knowing who caught a pass is one thing, but knowing who caught a pass, who threw it, who they caught it on, stuff like that. It To me, that's a big deal because like everyone is playing in a some sort of roster battle to some degree, uh, so it all matters. Um, so I really appreciate it, um, and that's kind of why I wanted to pick your brain on it uh, so not to just like start throwing them at you, but I got a, a, a million questions.
0: Yeah, let's let's just go through it. Just cool. hit me with them.
1: So, one of the big ones is uh, dime personnel has been like the buzzy thing out of camp. And I know early on you and I talked about how Sertan was playing, like basically with the first team in dime. Uh, when I talked to the Denver Post, Ryan and he did not think that dime was going to be like. Uh, so, here, here's what, like kind of the thing. Last year, the Broncos used five DBS or more on 70%, 75% of their plays, even with, you know, cornerback situation being a complete mess. I'm kind of wondering if that, that number is going to move towards more dime personnel as nickel goes down. Uh, they'll still probably use 25% ish base or heavier sets, but I'm thinking that they'll probably use more dime, probably take a linebacker off the field. Am I crazy? Or does that kind of seem like what's happening?
0: You know, it's interesting because there's, there's obvious days when you go out to camp and you can tell that they're purposely working on their dime formation right like like every time they do seven on seven it's almost always in dime like that is when they they run dime but you know in 11 on 11 like today they didn't run almost any dime in 11 on 11 but there are days that they'll just go out there and that's all they run and it's obviously scripted and that's what I think sometimes fans don't realize is every single practice is scripted there's something there's an objective every single day on what they're trying to accomplish um but I don't think it'll be their base defense, but I do think you're going to see it more often. And I think the thing that people need to prepare themselves for, Patrick Sertan is going to get on the field one way or the other. I don't know if it's going to be as the as the dime guy, or if he's going to beat out Callahan at the nickel, or if he's going to beat out uh, Fuller at, at one of the corners. I mean, I don't think he'll beat out Darby just because Darby. I think Darby's had one of the best camps of anybody in the secondary so far. But uh, you know, Sertan's going to get on the field. I think we saw that in the in the Vikings game, just how good he was at outside corner. And he's, you know, not really played that a ton uh, in camp. He, he's, you know, primarily done that on the second team, not the first team. And so I think that's my biggest takeaway is they really like what he can bring to the table. And when you can line him up uh, in that nickel spot or in the slot against a bigger tight end, and, and he looks, I mean, he doesn't look like a corner out there i mean he looks like a, a safety uh linebacker hybrid that can cover anybody on the field and when you have a player like that you have to have him on the field especially when you're you're going up uh, up against you know really good tight ends and darren waller travis kelsey things like that and so while i, I don't think i, I think they're going to play a lot of dime maybe more than they they did last year i think the bigger takeaway for me is that Sertan's going to find a way on the field uh because as good as callahan is we know that he's had injury issues in the past. Uh, he's also a little bit smaller, and I know he's been great in coverage and is, is one of the better slot corners in the league. I just think that in terms of matchups, they really like Sertan, and, and Sertan's also a really good tackler, uh, and I think we've seen that some in, in in practices and also in the Minnesota game. I, I just think that they really want to have him uh, you know, out there on the field in some way, and so th- that's, that's why he's in the dime right now. I think that the reason that you see those other three guys as the the three top corners is because they're all veterans right Like they've all been there they, they understand the defense um they know you know game situations and but i, I think by the end of the season you're going to see sertan on the field in, at, in some position some way he's he's got to be on there in in terms of a starting role and in my opinion i just think he's that good uh and and again with fuller being on a one-year contract i think it's pretty much written in the cards that that Sertan spot starting in 2022. And if let's say Fuller has a down season, which I, I, I know Fuller was, was one of the best corners in the league for, for quite some time. And, and, you know, he's had some flashes out here at camp. Um, but I, I wouldn't count out Sertan maybe overtaking that spot, especially, you know, if the season goes downhill or, or something like that, and and they know Fuller's on his way out or Callahan's on his way out as well. I know he's on the last year of his contract. They're going to play Sertan. I mean, he's the future at that position.
1: And that, I was going to ask you about this next. So I'm glad you touched on it because uh, you've been really consistent about how Darby's look. So like that, and I've appreciate it because again, we don't hear about Darby much in camp. Honestly, you haven't heard much about Fuller. You haven't heard a bunch about Darby. You haven't heard much about Callahan. So knowing that Darby is at least looking good, gives me hope because he's the one guy on a big contract going forward. Um, I know his cap hit this year is kind of low, but after this year, like he's going to be expensive. So the fact that he's playing well is a good sign uh, because like, I was kind of concerned about that. Uh, I do have to wonder with Fuller. I You, you hear about Fuller getting beat some by like Quentin Sutton, by, by Judy some, like, is that, should that be a concern? Or is it more like what you're saying now? Is it more that Sertan's looking so good? Or is it more that like Fuller may be, there might be some concerning plays with Fuller going
0: forward. It just seems, and and again, it's so hard to tell because you're trying to watch certain guys on, on certain plays and, and things like that. But, when when the ball is thrown in Sertan's you know area he, he usually makes a play on it or he's right there when the ball is is caught or whatever when the ball is thrown in Fuller's area it's usually caught by by Judy or or Sutton and and again I don't want to take anything away from from Fuller in the sense that everybody's getting beat by Judy <laughs> I mean everybody's yeah. taking their licks um but it, it it does seem like I mean you saw the play that everybody talked about a couple weeks ago in, in the scrimmage on Sunday uh sutton just beat fuller and and really to be honest and and now i don't want to say i'm taking away from Sutton, but Sutton hasn't looked like his pro bowl self most of camp i mean he's had a few really good days uh, but most days he looks a step slower so for fuller to be getting beat by sutton again maybe Sutton just had a great day that day and and had a step on him and made a great move Uh, but i think that gives you a little bit of indication that fuller i wouldn't say fuller's having a bad camp but i also wouldn't say he's like standing out as somebody that's having a good camp if that makes sense Uh, and so it's interesting to see and i don't know if that's a product of he's trying to you know get into the groove uh, if he's you know maybe having some miscommunication i know i've seen that a few times at training camp where it's obvious the the secondary is having some communication problems and i think that's mostly just because you add two new guys to it and you have you know guys like simmons and jackson who they probably don't even need to talk to each other because they know what they're doing uh and then you have callahan as well who's played with those two guys and so I, i think that that's part of the dynamic but Again, I, I don't want to say Sertan is better than Fuller. I, I think we still need to see Sertan prove it in real regular season football. Um, but I do think that that position could be one that changes. You know, relatively, I would I wouldn't say early in the season, but at some point in the season, I would not be shocked to see Sertan uh, play a lot over there.
1: And so that probably is part of the reason why there's some specul Well. George Payton last week in Minnesota, he definitely kind of added fuel to the fire by saying that teams are calling about the DBs. And again, like now that I've seen the first preseason game, I definitely understand it because uh, I'm starting to like I'm working on a roster prediction kind of by the time this drops and people are listening, it'll have come out. It's hard to make cuts from the DB room because there's so many guys Um, at the moment. I'm like juggling between like, do I keep 10? Do I keep 11? And like, they're going to have the same problem. And honestly, no matter what you do, you're probably going to be cutting a guy that'll probably end up somewhere else. Uh, so the idea yeah. of potentially trading one of the guys that may be gone after this year anyway, could have some appeal. And obviously like, that's not gonna be fuller because of the cap hit, but that's why the other day when Sertan came in for Callahan, it was like, oh man, maybe maybe they're kind of starting to think about that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and I, I think that the, the you know roster you know prediction like you're talking about, it's going to be extremely hard. I mean, I've had, you know, several agents of, uh, you know, some of these, these borderline players reach out and say, Hey, how's, how's my guy looking out there? And I, you know, just being brutally honest with them, I'm like, well, five spots are pretty much locked up at cornerback. I mean, you're talking about Darby, Fuller, Callahan, Sertan, and Ojemudia are all going to make this team in some way. And that's five, five cornerbacks right there. And last year they took six and you look at the, you know, you look at, some of these guys, Nate Harrison, who I think has had a relatively good camp. He's made some really good plays on the ball. He seems to be sort of the backup nickel slash dime behind Sertan and, and Callahan. Parnell Motley, who's really had a rough camp, but a guy that they clearly trust. Otherwise, I think he would have been in that first five cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got you know Mac McCain, who's been injured, but you know we've seen out there make some plays. Kerry Vincent, who they took in the seventh round. Uh, you've got Duke Dawson and Isang Bassi, who have played some football really bassy was was pretty good for them last season but we haven't seen him at all in camp so it's like who are they going to take it if they take six again or are they going to take more and then you can even go back to the safety position right and it's like man they only took three i think on the original 53-man roster it was justin simmons kareem jackson i can't i think it was trey marshall maybe yeah um and and so now it's like man trey marshall pj lock and caden stearns all seem like guys that you could you know make a strong case to make the 53-man roster and it's like who who are they going to pick if they stick with the same you know 9 10 11 that they took last year so it's that that room it's a good problem to have right like that's that's i was telling somebody the other day i was like man the secondary it's they have so many guys that it's gonna be so hard to cut guys but it's that's what you want right like that's what you want with that group especially after what they went through last year uh and having to play like again i don't want to bag on on Parnell Motley but you know having to play him last year um you know at the end of the season that's not an ideal situation um you know going against the Raiders there at that last game of the season so I I think that they they feel really good about that room but it is going to be hard to and and it's going to be I mean a large part of it's going to be special teams like I I was Mm -hmm. telling somebody I said if you want to be that sixth seventh cornerback to make this team you've got to be making plays on special teams it's the same thing with with the wide receiver room right like Trinity Benson is a guy we keep talking about and it's great he's making these plays but let's be honest he's probably not going to play a ton at wide receiver uh you know th- this next season he's going to be playing special teams and so that's where you know you want to see him make a tackle on a kickoff or return a punt or or whatever uh if he's going to make this roster
1: definitely and i and when i went back and i looked at it that's one of the reasons why i think Parnell Motley stuck around when Jesterman Ferris was cut just because it seemed like motley showed up more in the vikings game on the special teams whereas I know Ferris yeah. had a missed tackle that was not a great miss tackle and I think that hurt his cause and i and again I have not seen practice but if that's any indication that that probably played a huge role in it uh kind of moving from the Dbs because I do agree with you and I and the thing with dbs and offensive lines like this too they're floor positions your, your your talent on your roster is really defined by the weakest link in those two spots so the fact that the Broncos seem really really loaded to the dB that's a good problem to have for sure um, yeah. linebacker though, is kind of, I would say linebacker is my biggest area of concern on the defense. Uh, not because of the starters. I trust Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell. I don't think they're world beaters, but I think they're good enough. And I think that they're better than a lot of Broncos fans give them credit for. Um, Justin Cernod is coming along. Uh, and I went back and I watched the Vikings game again this morning. I don't. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Like, cause again, you're seeing him in practice based on what I've seen in the game, I don't think he's necessarily like pushing for a starting role right now. I think he's probably going to, but there was a decent bit of missed tackles. I thought he was having some issues getting off blocks. I think, and again, all this stuff, he's first, first game really. So like, it's not a huge concern. Um, I mean, he definitely looked like the best linebacker the Broncos had in that game, but I know that there's a lot of excitement about him. Um, Am I, am I wrong? Like, do you think he's going to push one of the guys early? Or, do, like, have you seen him getting a guy off the field for nickel?
0: Yeah, so a week ago, if you would have asked me this question, I would have said yes. Um, I think that he's taken a dip down. I don't think he played relatively good against the Vikings. I thought he had a very um, average game uh, considering how much he played. And I think if he was really pushing for that for one of those starting spots, he Josie Jewell wouldn't have just been – automatically right back in with the starting lineup. And I know that that maybe some of that is just Josie is, is a veteran and he's been around and he's a smart football player. And so they just put him back in, but he's gotten all the first team reps, at least that I've, I've seen the last, you know, a few days since, since the game on Saturday and since Josie's return. So I, I think that that's a pretty good indication that Josie, um, is going to keep that job and and to be honest going into camp it wasn't i know that a lot of people kind of circled josie as the person to maybe lose one of those jobs i always thought it was going to be alexander johnson uh and and that's just based off of what vic said during otas you know back in in june he he's talked about both linebackers and and, and really but he, he singled out aj as it's as a guy that really hasn't um, picked up the fundamentals well at times uh, hasn't always know been in the right spot at the right time like he's supposed to be and that's one thing about josie that is he the most athletic football player he's not but Mm -hmm. is he always uh he gets beaten coverage every once in a while but he does he does he doesn't seem to miss assignments if that makes sense like he 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 knows he understands where he's supposed to be he's making a lot of the defensive play calls uh again he's he's a he's a really smart player so i think that when you look at that competition, I think that if if anybody's going to maybe lose their job, it'd be Alexander Johnson. But really, I thought Alexander Johnson's had a pretty good camp. Uh, he's looked like he understands what's going on a lot more than maybe he did a year ago. Uh, and I think you're right. I tell people this all the time that w- we talk about you know th- this defense and how great it is and then everybody's like trying to look for where where where's the weakness and everybody just points at inside linebacker maybe because they don't have a flashy name right like you look in the secondary you're like well they've got Justin Simmons and they've got Fuller and they've got Darby and they've got all these guys and you look up front and they're like well you've got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and Shelby Harris and you then you're like well I guess inside linebackers are the weak position when really I thought both those guys had pretty solid seasons last year like you said they're not they're not world beaters they're not the best linebackers in the NFL, but they're solid players. I mean, they're, they're good, you know, linebackers. I think a lot of teams would take, they're, they're starting NFL linebackers. I mean, yes. they're, they're, they're there for a reason. And so um, that's not to say that Justin can't eventually take one of those jobs. I think that, that you're, you're more looking towards in the future. I don't think that's something that he'll play this year. I, I expect him to make the team obviously um, you know, Baron Browning, I think throwing into that mix is one that is really interesting because he is extremely athletic uh, and is a guy that I think can provide a lot but we just haven't seen enough from him in practice I mean it's been two days um, and he looks like he understands what's going on but again you you don't really know until they get into a game situation so I, that's one guy that you know people keep asking me who should I watch on in Seattle and it's like Baron Browning I, I yeah. think Baron Browning is a guy that everybody should keep an eye on because I'm not saying that he'll go in and steal a job either but I do think his upside is higher than say a Justin should
1: I also think what happens with Baron Browning in the next two preseason games is going to go a long way towards deciding if they're going to keep five linebackers or four because Vic normally keeps four off ball backers. But the fact that Browning's been out so long, it's like, can you really trust him to be an emergency backup right now? Or is he just a guy on the roster until he's ready? Um, Yeah. The other part of it is, I think, and I think you touched on this some is people put turn on Madden. And the Broncos don't have a linebacker in man that has 90 speed and they think, well, we don't have a guy. And the thing is like the fanjo system, like you don't need that guy that he does a lot to kind of like compensate for that. So I, I like the linebacker core. I've just, I'm, I'm curious in the time. And again, it's been so, so, you know, it's only been a couple of days. Has jewel kind of stepped back in and looked like what he did before the injury, do you think like, should we be pretty confident we're still getting the same player?
0: You know, it's interesting. He, he actually t- spoke today to the media And I I asked him that exact question and he, you know, obviously he's going to say yes. uh, Right. You know, he's not going to be like, Oh no, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be the same player. Um, He, he looks fine. I mean, it's so hard. Again, some of these practices they don't tackle. And when you play a position like linebacker, when you are like the main, you know, tackler for, for the defense, it's like, how can you really judge? But he's looked fine in coverage. Um, You know, I think that the interesting thing is, is, that tight end room that they're going up against a lot in coverage is is really good. Um I mean I, Noah Fant's had a really good camp. He's had a couple drops actually the last couple days, but he's you know he's he's getting open. Uh and so I don't know if that says a lot about the linebacker group that's covering them or if that says a lot about Noah Fant and the season that he might have this season. Um same with Alberto. Alberto's looked fantastic. Um so I, you know I think that I think josie looks fine right now but let's wait and see till Saturday because again it's the same thing with Baron it's like we don't really know and I don't know if Josie will even play on Saturday you know considering he's, he's coming off the injury same with Baron I don't know if either of these guys are going to play uh, I think before the season starts they'll, they'll both get some reps uh, eventually at least against maybe the Rams or something but um, you know it's really hard to tell again he, he seems to be in the right again he, he just continues to be in the right spot and that's an important thing for a guy like that um, that, you know, again, he, he can't really rely on his athleticism to just make great plays. He's got to be an incredibly smart football player. And, and and so far, that's what I've seen the last couple of days. But again, it, it's just tough to tell when when there's no tackling. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the other day they did kind of a half practice where it's like they're letting them catch the ball. So it's like, was that good coverage? Was it not? You know, what what's going on? So um, I think it's kind of a wait and see with Josie.
1: That's fair. I just, I have to ask. Cause I know last year with Todd Davis, he had the injury and then basically that was it. He was done just because I, yeah. and, and again, I think Josie is younger and that probably helps. But like with Todd Davis, it was kind of the situation where it's like, I don't think he could afford to lose any speed. And so like, right. that was the concern. Um, so since you mentioned them, I'm going to kind of ask you about this then the, the tight end room. Um, and honestly like listening to Fangio and this is, you know, by his standards of how he talks about players, he sounds more excited about Alberto like in his recovery than Cortland Sutton in his recovery. And then you go back to like the Vikings game and the Broncos were running a lot of like 12, 21 and 22 set, like a lot of heavier stuff. Uh, Was that just like preseason look type thing? Was that more of like a reflection of like, I know last week was like basically lock start. Um, And when I talked to Ryan O'Halloran, he had mentioned that. And again, we'll probably get to the quarterbacks at, you know, down the road, but like, he had mentioned that essentially it looked like they had two different offenses for when Locke was under center versus when Bridgewater was under center. So like, was the heavier set more based on that kind of stuff? Or was it actually like, do you think Shermer is going to try and feature the two tight ends a lot more?
0: Well, well, I think Ryan's right uh, when it comes to two different offenses, And I think part of that is somewhat the personnel, but I think it's also just a product of, I mean, they're they're just different quarterbacks in yeah. in a lot of different ways, uh, and you know, obviously, we've seen Locke be able to push the ball down the field, um, you know, at, at times when when he's on. But I, I do think that twelve personnel is something that they're gonna they're gonna lean on a lot. I mean, I think cool. that's something that Shermer's come out and said, you know, a, a couple times that this training camp is how much he loves what they do with the tight ends. I know both tight ends have come out and said how much they think that each can excel with both those guys it's interesting they, they do a lot of that in the red zone where they do red zone work it's a lot of 12 personnel in practice um you know but I, I think that they like both their tight ends and that's why and and the other part too and i've said this you know a few times is that they're gonna run the ball whoever's the whoever's the 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 quarterback it doesn't matter they're gonna they're gonna run the ball a lot it, it's interesting you watch practice and let's say they run you know three or four plays two or three of those plays are always run plays. And I don't know, and again, this is sort of my first training camp uh, ever covering the NFL. So I don't know if that's something a lot of NFL teams do where they just practice a ton of run plays. But in my mind, if you have a quarterback competition, I'd be throwing the ball a lot to see who is, you know, being the better quarterback, but they're putting a heavy emphasis on the run. And and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, right? Because I think that they have a really talented running back room. And I think this offensive line, uh can be pretty good. Uh and so, but I I do think that you're gonna see them run a ball run the ball a lot and it's gonna be in 12 personnel. Um they're doing a lot of things through the tackles, off the tackles and things like that. Javante Williams has looked really good in those situations when you when he runs off the tackle or in between the tackles or whatever. Um and, and so I think that you're gonna see that a ton just because they're gonna run the ball a lot. And I think that they feel confident in both Fant and Albert O uh as blocking tight ends and same with same with um Eric Saubert. Saubert who so who's looked honestly I he's looked really good um I, he's a he's a he's one of those guys that again is one of the more underrated players that I don't think we talk enough about he's looked good in the passing game but you know he's been really good in the run game and and another one is Austin Fort who I think it was Alberto or Noah Fant uh that came out the other day and, and said that he's taught that room a lot about blocking uh and in, in the way that he approaches uh blocking in the run game and things like that so w- when you hear things like that uh, it makes you think okay they're really putting an emphasis on you know running the football and 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 having two tight ends and and doing those sorts of things in the red zone and i i don't know if that's a case of they don't trust the quarterbacks and so they're just going to run the ball out or they just feel really confident in their run game and 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 that's something and again i think we saw it a little bit in the Vikings game they came out and ran the ball right down the right down the field to start the game and then they turned around to the play action that opened up the pass to to Hamler and i think that that's what they're going to try and do you know a good, a good chunk of the season, especially if Drew is the, is the quarterback. We've seen Drew is a a different, he's, he's a much better player when they are in play action. We've seen that time and again in his career. So I I think that that's something they're going to lean on heavily. Cool. And as somebody who is a kind of like a
1: tight end aficionado, I am not, I'm not at all opposed to that. I'm actually really excited. Plus Alberto. And again, like he's recovering from the injury. So like some of it may be limited, but like Based on what we saw last year, he looked like a future All-Pro. And, like, I already yeah. – I believed in Noah Fant basically since they drafted him. So, like, I'm excited to get those two on the field together because – and, again, like, without the murderers and stuff, like, you basically have, like, a, a mini version of Gronk and Hernandez um, and the fact that you can just cause mismatches up and down the field. And it's it's exciting. Yeah, um, yeah well, and fant's
0: looked – I mean, again, sorry to cut you oh. off there, but – Fant has looked really good i mean he's just he's just getting open and i know he's had you know a couple drops the last couple days and that hasn't been the case most of camp but he but he is he's running like wide open and it's like how do you forget about about that guy i mean he's huge uh and so for that to happen i think that obviously they're 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 calling good plays one but also fans is just looks really good i mean i think he's he's poised to have a big season if he stays healthy
1: yeah well, and that, and I, th- I just think like their overall athleticism off of play action is going to just create these situations where linebackers can't win, and yeah. that's that's a good way to kind of minimize any questions you have about the quarterbacks. Um, Caden Stearns, we you mentioned him a little bit. Um, and again, like the safety battle. Here, here's the thing that's really interesting to me about the safety battle, and I know we touched on it a little bit. Like I know I'm getting back to DBs, but I, I just wanted to touch on this a little. Trey Marshall was a, was supposed to start the Vikings game, but then on the kickoff, he got hurt. So, like, Caden Stern, I assume it was Caden Stearns that wasn't going to be the starting safety. And then him and him and PJ Locke both looked like, again, if either one of them were cut, I would assume that they would end up on another roster very, very quickly, um, which is going to create an isu- interesting issue down the road because Trey Marshall at some point is probably going to be back. Um, But basically, like, I've heard you guys talk about Caden Stearns all through camp. Like, the hype, it seems warranted, yeah?
0: Oh yeah. He's, he's, um, he's legit. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I wrote it in uh, a, a, pretty in-depth feature story on him, I think about a week ago. And, you know, when you look at his stats at Texas, you, you obviously, the freshman season pops out. He had a great freshman year. I think he was the big 12 defensive player of the year. Um, you know, his freshman season and, and he had these great high expectations and, and getting to talk to people that knew him at Texas and, and his, you know, his, his family. Um, and again obviously they're a little biased but um you know they talked about the injuries he had and and you know he really struggled with a knee injury his last two seasons at texas and that would explain why the production dropped i mean his brother was telling me about how there was there's games that he could tell that caden was not he should not have been playing there was no reason for him to be on the field and you know, talking to Caden this year at camp, he said he's the healthiest he's ever been. And I think that's a, lo- a large part why we're seeing him have so much success because there's a lot of people, if you would have asked, you know, around a couple, you know, a couple years ago, three years ago, they would have said Caden is maybe you know, the top safety in that class, right? You know, yep. he's, he's up there with uh, the kid from TCU and, and uh, UCF and, and those sorts of things. He was a, you know, a high high round draft pick. So to get him in the fifth round and now he's healthy – um, it's for real because again, it, it seems like every single time. And I say this ironically, the day he, he got beat actually today on a, on a touchdown pass, but it seems like every time the ball's in his area, he makes a play on it. And, and today was one that really, it wasn't his assignment. Uh, you know, it was a, a deep ball to Benson and he just caught up to it and almost made a play on it. But, um, he seems like he's the future of that position. And I think we all kind of know, again, the writing is on the wall for a guy like Kareem Jackson, who's, you know, on a one-year deal that. He's probably not going to be back in 2022. I think they would rather go in the direction of a young guy like a Caden Stearns. And I think that's why, and I think we all kind of just assume this, the reason they took two safeties back-to-back like that is they said, all right, we're going to take two of these guys who have you know high upside uh, and you know really low risk and just have them battle it out for that position. And with Jamar Johnson missing basically the entire first week of training camp and hasn't done much since – um, you know, in practice, I think that Caden's obviously leading that battle. But the one that's interesting to me is Caden's former teammate, PJ Locke, who, I mean, he's had a really good camp, and I thought he was one of the best players in the game against the Vikings. I thought he really stood out, uh, made a lot of plays. I think he was, I don't know if he was the leading tackler, or if Caden was the leading tackler. One of them was, I think there were one, two in, in tackles. But um, I mean, I I would take both of them if they can. Again, it's going to come down to how many DBs do they want to take, uh, and can those guys compete on special teams? But it's it's going to be interesting to see that battle because I think you can count. It sounds like Trey Marshall is going to be out for quite a while, yep. at least according to, to Vic. Uh, so I would assume he's out of that race. Jamar Johnson, I think they'll just put him on the practice squad because he's a rookie. Uh, and then you've got Caden versus PJ, and it's like, which one? You know, which one do you take there? I mean, I hope it's both. And honestly, yeah. like
1: I'm, I'm actually I'm glad you mentioned that with Johnson because that was going to be another one of my questions. Because because he's done so little, I almost kind of, and again, maybe he blows up over the last two weeks. But like, I almost think I'd rather risk him on waivers to the practice squad than because I don't think after this Vikings game, I don't think you can risk either Stearns or Locke. I think either one of them, if they hit the the waivers, they're going to get picked up. Um, Locke's yeah. range just really blew me away. Um, and I again, like he's only been a special teamer up to this point. So like we haven't really gotten to see what he's done on defense because there was no training camp or pre or there's no preseason last year. Um but yeah, he he
0: shocked me. I I was very, very impressed. Uh yeah, and he he's not a guy that's really stood out in camp. I mean, he he's had a, a good camp, I would say, but he's not a guy that's like, man, I can't believe PJ Lock, where Caden, it's been like every day. Uh and so for PJ to come out and have that type of a game, I think it it makes it even more interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Vaughn Miller. Uh, and, and, Von Miller is weird in the situation that like, we didn't, haven't seen him yet. He's older now. He's coming off an injury. He's had a lot of days. He hasn't been a practice. Um, and again, like I say this Von Miller is one of the two players left from before I started doing what I do. So like, I am still like diehard fan for him. Like beyond, like I am clearly biased for Von Miller. That <laughs> said, like th- my brain is telling me like at some point he's probably going to hit an age wall. So like, I'm trying to prepare myself for that. Um, But like when he's on the field in practice does he look like von miller or is he is it like b version of von miller at this point
0: that's a tough question um because again it's hard to tell in practice sometimes and and Von has had his days where you're like man that's that's von miller you know like he's just beaten guys and a lot of times it's it's coming against bobby and calvin anderson uh on that side And, and so we don't get to see him go up against you know, a guy like Garrett Bowles, who it would be, you know, a little bit, you would be able to tell a little bit more, but um, I would say it's a B version. If you like put a gun to my head. Um, And that's not to say he's not still a good player. Um, I think that he's a guy that the B version of Von Miller can still get, maybe get you eight to 10 sacks in a season. But I think, you know, when you're paying him, whatever it is, 8 million, $18 million or whatever it was to pick up his option, you know, is, is that, you know, is eight to ten sacks worth that 18 million dollars maybe maybe not uh but i, I do think that there's what, what needs to happen for vaughn is bradley chubb needs to stay healthy if, yeah. if if bradley chubb is healthy on that other side that opens up a lot for vaughn and again w- like you said he's missed a ton of practice i, I think he's had several you know vet days you know you missed uh you know a couple days this week with his with his kid being born um which you know again I understand I would give him all the days in the world you you know what Vaughn brings right you know what you're going to get from him exactly Um, and and I think that the part that maybe makes him worth 18 million dollars at least that I've seen is the leadership he's brought I mean you're talking about a guy that every time I watch practice he's on the sideline chatting up a Jonathan Cooper a Derek Tuska Malik Reed has become one of his closest friends and Learn more at marines.com. You know, if we're being honest, if this is Vaughn's last year in Denver, one of those guys is going to take that spot and it's going to be important for them to live up to maybe not Vaughn's expectations, obviously, but but be a you know a solid player at, the, at that outside linebacker spot. So I, I think that that's important, but I think it's just going to be really hard to tell until he gets out there because it also seems like there's some days that Vaughn, Vaughn is all in on practice, right? Like there's some days that And I don't want to say he's like slacking off or anything, but there's just some days that you can tell he's all in on, you know, trying to be the best Von Miller. And there's other days where he's like, eh, whatever, you know, and and you can see that. And there's also days that you can tell the coaching staff is just saying, hey, it's not a vet day for him. And he goes through all the individual stuff, but then he maybe only does like two or three snaps on team. And, you know, you can't really tell. Again, there's so many plays that they don't blow dead where maybe he got to the quarterback or he would have, you know, reached out and, and got a, you know, a strip sack or whatever. Um, and so it's hard to tell, but I would say right now it's the B version, but it could easily be the A version. I, I think maybe he has a different gear when, when the season starts. Cool. I will
1: uh, try to adjust my expectations though uh, a little bit because, <laughs> well, here, cause here's the thing. Uh, and again, I like the narrative about Von Miller based on 2019 was that he had a down year because the sacks were down but he had more than double the pressures any other member of the Broncos had. And then Bradley Chubb had gone down, you know, week four. So basically for the last 12 games of the season, Vaughn Miller was the pass rush. I want to say, and again, I I don't have the number right in front of me, but I want to say he had uh, 63 pressures by Sports Info Solutions charting. The next closest Bronco was Shelby Harris with 26. And then after Shelby Harris, I think it was Derek Wolf with 10. So like it was just, yeah, it was just something insane. So it was just one of those things where, If the Broncos are getting even like a B version of that, I'm still quite excited. Um, Especially when you consider how much help you'd have around him to like, still kind of like take the pressure off him. So uh, speaking of that though, the defensive line obviously was, and and you've, you've shared this quite a few times. They've ruined practices um, at times, like early in camp. And, and again, I'm sky high on Draymond Jones based on what I saw from him last year. Shelby Harris has been quietly very, very good for a long time. Like the, the national media kind of sleeps on him, but he's one of the better gap shooters in the league. And Mike Brussell is very good at what he does. He's a very good role player. Um, how much of that do you think, like them ruining practice, is them being very good, and how much of that is like maybe issues on the interior offensive line? Though,
0: I I think it's a little bit of both, um, and I would lean more towards the pass rush being really good. Um, I think that when you, I mean, you just mentioned the guys. Shelby Harris is having a good camp. Um, you know, he looks every bit worth of the money that that they're paying him. Uh, Draymond Jones. Um, and then, you know, you look at the guys behind them, uh, you you mentioned Mike Purcell, obviously, but, but Deshaun Williams looks really good. I mean, he's having a great camp, uh, McTilvin Ajim, who, you know, didn't even like play last year, uh, looks like he could start. I mean, he's that he's been that good. Uh, and then you have other guys that Shamar Steven, who I know, I think that you wanted to ask me about as well. I think he's had a good camp. Um, you know, he looks like, you know, I, I don't think they're paying him a ton. I It no. was like only like 2 million. Uh, he's definitely worth that money in terms of just being a rotational guy. And then as you know, that position you've, you can't guys can't play 80 to 90% of those snaps. You you've got to have a rotation there and to have a guy like that. And then McTelvin, um, and Deshaun Williams, I think that that really helps them in terms of the rotation. So I think again, it goes a little bit both ways because I, I do think the offensive line has had its struggles this camp. I think Lloyd Cushenberry is a guy that's that's taken a step in the right direction. Uh, I still don't know if he's, you know, a great center. I think he's an above-average center. Maybe at this point, you can tell he's understanding, uh, you know, where you know plays the schemes and reading fronts and all that goes into being a center. But I think that um, you look at the the two guard positions and. And I'm not saying Dalton Reisner or Graham Glasgow have had bad camps, but it is interesting that even today we saw minors and and Moody get time with the ones. And I don't think that's that's just nothing, right? I mean, I think that there's a reason that both those guys are getting some time with the first team in in, in like full go one on one uh you know type football in, in, in the team period. So, you know, I, I think that there's there's some um I don't know. A little bit of both under underperforming maybe a little bit there at the interior offensive line but I also think the defensive line is just that good I, I do think that they're and again going back to the Vaughn thing if, if the defensive line is getting pressure that'll help guys like Vaughn and Bradley Chubb and and all that goes into that so I, I think that this is probably again the entire defense it just seems like the depth from last year to this year is just Considerably, consider, considerably better, and that's not just from free agent pickups, but that's just guys like again Deshaun Williams stepping up, Mike Purcell being healthy finally, uh, and you know McTulvin Ajim becoming a player that I'm not sure a lot of people thought he could be this good. At least from what we've seen when he was
1: drafted, uh, I talked to a buddy who did, you know does a lot of draft stuff, and he basically told me like I think he's going to be the seal of the draft. And again, wow. at that time, I was like. I like him. I don't know if I like him that much. Um, but I, you know, I took note of it and then he didn't play last year, despite all the injuries to the defensive line. So it was definitely, I was, I was very eager to see what he has this preseason. So the fact he hasn't played yet is kind of a bummer for me, but I'm definitely excited to see him out there because I have heard like what you're reporting. So I'm excited to see him because he was a five-star recruit. Uh, he chose Arkansas, but he had, he had offers from like Alabama, Auburn, you know, all the places. So definitely excited to see him in see him in action. Uh, kind of moving to the receiver room because that's, that's an interesting one just because Benjamin Albright of KOA reported that the Baltimore Ravens have called about Tim Patrick. And again, the the Baltimore Ravens are at a spot with their wide receiver room where they're probably calling everybody about everybody because they've lost Bateman at this point. I think Sammy Watkins is out, but at the same time, the Broncos are pretty deep at receiver and Tim Patrick's an RFA. So it doesn't cost anything to move him. Um, do you think he's losing his job to KJ Hamler already? Like, it, because again, behind him, there's no depth. Like, there's depth. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that right. There's depth, but they're not proven. I, I want to say right. the everybody else in the receiving room combines for six catches and it's all Tyree Cleveland. Um, but that said, like, we've already brought up Trendy Benson. Um, I am very optimistic with Seth Williams. I think he needs to do a little bit better job with route running, but I, I'm optimistic about the skill set. But, is it one of those situations where you think Tim Patrick could be on the block or do you think they're going to probably hold on to it?
0: You know, I, I, I personally haven't heard that he's on the block from anybody. Um, but it would not surprise me, uh, just because like you said, that room, uh, is really good. Um, I think the biggest thing for, if he's on the block, that would indicate to me that they feel really good about Cortland Sutton being healthy and they also feel really good that KJ Hamler is going to have a breakout season which you know I I wouldn't say that's false I mean KJ's looked phenomenal um now can he hold up for an entire season we've seen he has injury issues in the past and I think that's kind of what is holding up this this kick returning you know battle between him and Deontay Spencer who you know I think Spencer's a great returner but um he doesn't offer a whole lot to the offense. And I think in a perfect world, they'd rather have a guy that does both, right? You mm-hmm. know, uh, you know can, can go catch passes and return kicks. Um, but, you know, the, the interesting thing with Tim is he had some really good practices to start camp. And, you know, I think he had one day where he caught two or three red zone touchdown passes um, in one team period. And it was just like, he was on fire. And since then he's been hurt and we haven't seen a whole lot. I mean, he was out there today in pads, um but he didn't participate in any of the team periods and so when that happens and and Tim's a good player I think we we saw that last year he's one of the more underrated guys in the league at at wide receiver um but when that happens you're gonna have other guys step up like a KJ Hamler like a Trinity Benson and and make plays in it you know maybe maybe it makes the GM or or the coaching staff wonder oh well maybe we don't need Tim Patrick maybe we can go get uh a pick for him or, or whatever um and, and you know tur- turn it and when you have such a deep room and, and and things like that but but the other issue you have is again going to injuries is like can kj stay up for a season do you feel confident that courtland Sutton can be the old courtland sutton uh and have you know pro bowl type season or even 80 percent of that right because if if he doesn't and you move on from tim patrick then you're just sitting there with judy and hamler and it's like i don't know that's a tough spot so i think that again, I'm not the GM or, and I haven't spoken to anyone that, that said, Hey, you know, he's, Mm -hmm. he's on the block. But if I I think that they want to see how he performs this next couple weeks, I would bet. Um, like I, I wouldn't be shocked if he plays in the Seattle game and, and, you know, if he makes some plays, then obviously I think that he's a guy that they want to keep around. I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a tough question to answer because again, that wide receiver room is so interesting because it does feel like, they have depth, but there is a drop-off at some point, right? Like, like they have Jerry Judy, who's great. Cortland Sutton, who we think will be great again. KJ Hamler, who we think c- can be great. And then you have Patrick, who we know is good. And then after that, it's like, okay, who, who else? You know, Tyree Cleveland really hasn't proven himself. He's actually had probably a, not a good camp at all. Uh, and then you have Trinity Benson, who, yes, he's having a great camp. And I've, like, bought his stock from day one but even i know that w- we got to wait and see on a guy like that yeah. uh and then you've got Seth Williams who i actually spoke to Seth today and he's had an okay up and down camp but i think i think the potential is there like you said but not not probably in his rookie season i don't think he's a guy that just breaks out you know this year but you know it, it, again after the top 3 4 guys there really isn't a whole lot of proven wide receivers in that room they do have depth guys i think they feel comfortable with but Again, it's not like superstars, right? It's one of those situations
1: where I i have gone back and forth on like how I feel about it. Just because on the one hand, uh, Tim Patrick's had quite a quite an injury history, like just you know, like facts, like he has. Like last year was the one year he's been completely healthy the whole way through. And so, if you're George Payton and you know you're not going to resign him, it could make sense to deal him now because you might not get another—you know—you're not going to get another opportunity to, right? At the same time, like you just said the depth is like, that's definitely a question, but also if you're trying to figure out if drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater is actually the quarterback for this year and beyond having as many weapons as you can around them, is probably a, it's going to help you in that evaluation. So like, that's also yeah. where I'm at with it. So, it, and it also becomes a thing of, well, what's the return if you are trading it? Like if you're giving him away for a six round pick, I'm probably not on board just because yeah. if you're getting like a second, Oh yeah, I, I, I totally can understand that. But, but yeah, so I, I go back and forth on it. Um, but I, I definitely – it's something I've been very interested in. Um, Bobby Massey, and you mentioned Bobby Massey. I It looks to me like he's run away with the first team job. Like basically every day he seems to be with the, the, the starting group. Um, I know Calvin Anderson, again, everything I've heard out of camp is Calvin Anderson's playing with the twos. He's playing the swing job. And I know Fangio has said that the competition is still open. Um, and then based on the Vikings game, like Calvin Anderson definitely looks – a lot better than last year. So like, I'm not trying to douse any, you know, anything on him, but it looks like it's Massey's job at RT one. Am I, am I wrong there?
0: No, no, you're right. Um, And I mean, I've been saying that for a couple of weeks now, at least to, to some people in, in the media and just, you know, just out there, I, I just think watching practice, you can kind of see that And it. It's funny you bring it up. Anderson uh, actually, <laughs> actually went with the one today for the first time in a little while um, at right tackle. But I think, and I keep saying this over and over, in a perfect world, it would make a lot of sense if the Broncos want Massey to be the starting right tackle, and then you have Calvin be that swing guy. Because I don't think people realize how difficult it is to do what Calvin's doing every single day in practice, which is he is switching from left tackle to right tackle every other day, and that is not an easy thing to do at all. Um, I mean that that is an extremely difficult thing to do athletically, uh, you know, scheme wise, all that. It, it's it's a very Hard thing to do. And so I think that having a guy like that is a luxury. And so that, the you know, it, again, in a perfect world, Bobby starts at that right tackle spot, which I think Bobby's looked really good in camp. His biggest problem has always been injuries. Wow. And we saw that last year in Chicago. I think he sat out eight games with a knee injury. Uh, and we, we talked to him, you know, a little bit, uh, I think last week, and, and he, you know, spoke about that he feels healthy and that he feels the best he's ever felt, which, you know, of course that's what he's going to say. But if that's true, uh, I think that he's he's a better player at that position, one, uh, than Calvin, and that's not taking anything away from Calvin. I think Calvin's had a pretty good camp, uh, and I think he's a, he's, a, he's a good tackle. But I think that when you can have a guy that can go from left to right, uh, and, you know, we saw last year him come in and, and play for Bulls in that Panthers game and, and play relatively well, Um, I think that again, that's a luxury and that that, that's what the Broncos want to do. So I think that's been Bobby's job to lose ever since they brought him in. I think Cameron Fleming was kind of a a safety net, uh, and you know, he's kind of had a rough camp. I, I, I don't know if he'll make the roster. I would bet not at this point. Um, and so I, I, think it's, it's, it's definitely a two man race as much as Vic kept saying it was a four man race at the beginning, even with Quinn Bailey. Um, that I mean, I've not seen anybody take any first-team reps other than Massey and Calvin Anderson at that right tackle spot. Uh, and when it's mattered, uh, it's been Massey. Um, I think we saw that, you know, in the game uh, against the Vikings, didn't he? I mean, I think Massey yeah. started at right tackle and Anderson at left. Uh, and I think that was a good indication. I think the other indication, too, is Massey had a, a vet day, quote-unquote vet day, like the second week of practice. And I don't think a guy's taking a vet day if he thinks his job's on the line, right? right. Like, he's not going to just, like – you know uh, opt to opt out of out of a practice if he's battling for a position in in my opinion I mean I wouldn't if I were him or maybe he's just that confident even if he's that confident I think that tells you a lot that he's he's gonna you know take that spot
1: well it speaks to what the coaching staff thinks of him if they're offering him a vet day that early in camp too um and again like based on what I've seen from their tape Matt I mean again my concerns with Massey remain, and the big one is basically, like, power, and he's not going to have that issue against, like, the Vikings backups and probably probably the remainder of the preseason It probably won't be a huge issue. Um, but that said, like, he has good hands. He uses his length. He's mobile for a man as tall as he is, so that's helpful. He knows how to get downfield and position himself to block off people. The thing that really impresses me with Anderson is his hands have gotten better. I still think he needs to get stronger, but, again, like, that's yeah you know, just be picking nits a little bit, but his mobility is really, it's, it's good. It's quite good. And honestly, he looks like a natural left tackle. So the fact that he's able to do the swing is really, really helpful. Um, and for listeners again, like I understand, like, obviously you want all the young guys to start, but the thing is like most teams in the league and like Brandon Thorne from formerly of the athletic, now he has his own site for trench warfare has mentioned this before. Most teams do not have depth at tackle it's very hard to yeah. do so so if the Broncos actually have a starting caliber depth player in Calvin Anderson like they're ahead of a lot of other teams in the league
0: yeah definitely
1: um we already touched on cushionberry uh so I'm not gonna beat that one up too much um with as far as Muti goes do you think he could steal a starting job out of camp or because because the big thing I'm thinking with this and again like I I personally as long as Graham Glasgow and Risen are on the roster I don't think that's probably gonna happen but the thing that I'm kind of like wondering is the Broncos have a lot of depth on the interior offensive line. So you start to wonder if they, if they, and again, Peyton didn't draft Reisner, didn't sign Glasgow. So you almost start to wonder if he's going to start to look around and see if he can try and trade one of them to potentially bring in like talent somewhere else. And again, I don't know if you've heard anything about that, but it's just, and again, just throwing it, you know, out of left field. Right. But, but you do that if you have that much confidence in Moody and it sounds like Fangio does.
0: Right. And, and, Moody's arguably been the best guard in training camp so far, in my opinion. I mean, if he, he's he been that good. Um, and I know that a lot of that is coming against the twos uh, most days, but um, you know, I, I think the interest, the interesting thing for me and correct me if I'm wrong, but I always thought Graham was, was a really good center. Uh, and that's not to say he's, he's, he's better at guard or center, but I would, I would consider, and I, you don't want to be, just bench Glasgow, but uh, with the struggles that you've seen from Miners at center, I wonder if, if there's a situation where you move Glasgow to, to center and you put Moody at, in at guard. Uh, and if Cushionberry's struggling or, or you don't trust minors, let's say Cushionberry goes down and you don't trust Miners to go in there because he has had a lot of struggles at, at snapping the ball. But um, I wouldn't rule out Moody stealing a job. I would say it's a low percentage to start training camp. By the end of the season, though, it, it's sort of like uh, – I guess not the Sertan, you know, analogy that I gave earlier where he, you know, I said by the end of the season, I would see, I think Sertan will be starting somewhere. Um, but I would not be shocked if if, Mo- if Moody, you know, beats out Glasgow or, or like you said, maybe they move Glasgow or, or Reisner or one of those things. But uh, Moody definitely seems like the future at guard uh, and they are really high on him. And he just is, he's really physical. Uh, and I think yeah, that's yes. something that, you know Glasgow I'm not saying Glasgow isn't physical but it, you can tell there's a difference there in terms of just pure like I think it was Bulls that said he's just girth he just has girth and like this just like strength to him and and that's definitely Moody and so I think and, and again this is looking into the future but I think I would not I would definitely not be shocked if he's the starting right guard or left guard uh come 2022. I just don't know how quickly it's going to happen and again we got we got to see it against You know first team defenses and and you know talented defensive linemen up there that we really haven't got to see a ton of yet um but i can tell you he's having a great camp and again like i said earlier there's there's a reason Miners and and moody are are getting some play with the ones i mean there's they're they're not just doing that to do that Uh, that's not just to give graham glasgow a a break or dalton reisner a break i mean obviously both those guys are are playing really well and and i i don't know if you were going to ask about Miners, but Miners looks a lot better at guard Uh, than he does at center and i don't know if that doesn't surprise me yeah i mean i mean obviously he he didn't play center until the senior bowl um which is like two like three days right um so he's struggling with snaps but i think he's also and we talked to him the other day after practice and you know he talked about how much bigger this playbook is and when you play center people don't realize you're calling everything out i mean you you have to understand defensive fronts the play calls every you got to know every position I mean, as, as somebody that played center in high school uh, and I'm not saying I was any good and it was not to this level obviously but you do have to know everything I mean I remember telling my buddies like hey this is what you do you know turning left and right to the, to my guards like hey this is what you're supposed to do on this play so I you know that's a big part of it and I think Quinn is obviously he's way more comfortable at guard and I think that again if Lloyd is can be the player that they hope he can be then I think you know minor slides into one of those guard positions and but again this is a good problem to have I think that you look back at last season and, and compared to this season, they have a lot more depth on the offensive line. We mentioned Calvin looks a lot better. I mean, he's a starting caliber NFL player. I think that you could argue that, that, Mo- that Moody is too at, at guard and even minors, I, you know, on some teams, he'd probably be a starting guard on for a lot of people. So uh, I think, again, it's, it's a good problem to have.
1: Yeah, I agree. And also the other thing is it, it's a hedge against like an upcoming, like next year, like, the Broncos can't cut Graham Glasgow this year based on like the contract stuff. I think it would cost them $17 million in dead cap. Makes no sense. They could trade him. Couldn't cut him. But next year that, that month yeah, they, it becomes a lot more tenable to do so. And then Dalton Reisner's contracts coming up pretty quickly, just like drew locks contracts coming up pretty quickly. So having depth behind them that could potentially step in. If the number gets too high for you is a good problem to have, Uh which kind of brings me to the quarterback battle. Um, we touched a little bit on the differences in the offense. Uh, I thought it was interesting because I, Schirmer's been asked about it a couple times and basically he's kind of dodged it as you would expect him to, but he basically said something along the lines of, uh, what is it? Uh, there are things we lean on because it's always comes down to plays that you run, have to feature and focus on the players that you have. And that, and he talked about tweaking it to the quarterback strengths, but again, like, The offense that we saw against the Vikings is not the offense that Pat Shermer was using last year. Um, Pat Shermer last year used 11 personnel. I want to say on 66% of his plays. Uh, They were passing like 60, 60 to 65% of the time, if I remember correctly. Um, And again, you mentioned that they're running a lot and it makes sense given the personnel up front. And it also makes sense given the strength of the backfield. And it also makes sense. If you have questions about the quarterback is to try and hide them. Um, I almost kind of think I, and I suspect this might be the case. I almost wonder if they're going to try and do a version of like what the Browns did last year, where they tried to like basically do motion and play action and kind of help the quarterbacks as much as possible by basically trying to mitigate like the concerns about them and just basically taking the ball of their hands as much as possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that the Browns are a perfect example for that situation. And, you know, I think obviously being biased from Oklahoma, I think Baker's a little bit better. uh, I do too. I do too. You know, uh, but, but I do think that there was a lot of things that Browns did to, you know, obviously uh, hide some of maybe his, um, you know, I don't know if disabilities is the word, but, but things he can't do, whatever I, 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 the word is escaping me, but, but I I do think that that's something the Broncos are going to do a lot of this year. And we saw that in, in the Vikings, the Vikings game is, is it's definitely a different offense than what they were running last year. And I think that they're going to, they're going to, again, they're going to lean heavily on the run. I think they're going to run the ball a lot on first down, um, which I know some people are for and some people are against, and uh those sorts of things. But I think last year they I think there was there was a part of Shermer, and you know, I didn't come into the season till I think I think it was the Falcons game was my first game I covered. So I didn't get to see the beginning of the of the season, but I think there was a belief, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but at the beginning of the year, there was a belief that Drew was really gonna be uh this great quarterback that you could gunsling and you could throw the ball around and do all these different things with him. And I think Shermer bought into that as well. Uh, and that's why you saw them throw the ball so much last year and, and really trust in drew. And obviously that backfired and, and drew wasn't the quarterback that they thought he could be at least last season. Uh, and so I think that they're going to take it a little bit more slow, if that makes more sense. And they're going to run the ball a lot and they're going to trust. And and I think Vic also, I would assume Vic maybe had some say in this and he knows how good his defense is going to be. So he's like, just run the, run the clock when you're, when you have the ball and we'll let our defense win us some football games. And I think that that mindset, and again, I'm, maybe I'm speaking for Vic here, but I think that mindset from Vic is going to play into who he picks for the quarterback battle. And that's why, I mean, I had this conversation the other day with somebody that, you know, if Sean McVay is, is the head coach of this football team, who is going to be the starting quarterback? It's going to be Drew Locke, right? Like, I, I don't think there's any world that Teddy Bridgewater wins this battle, Sean McVay or say Cliff Kingsbury or somebody like that, is the the head coach but with Vic who is going to trust in his defense which he should right I mean the defense is extremely talented that's his strength we, we've seen that time and again uh you're gonna you I think that there's a scenario that he just picks Teddy because Teddy is the quote unquote safe choice right uh which honestly isn't the case a lot of days I mean we saw him throw an interception today I think he's throwing more interceptions in training camp than Drew overall and less touchdowns but you know exactly what you're going to get with teddy and that's where that's where the quarterback battle is won and lost in my opinion is drew has to go out and take it and right now i think he is i think he is leading the battle right now and if you were to ask me who should be the starting quarterback i think it should be drew and and that's no matter what happens on saturday i think it should be drew i think drew has a higher ceiling i think teddy is is a nice quarterback but he's not a franchise guy and i'm not saying drew is but i think drew's closer him. to that yeah you know to, than than say a teddy and and if, if again they've struggled a lot and and I'm probably answering all the questions that you had about the quarterback competition but you know they've struggled a lot in situational football during camp uh and and you know we didn't get to really see that in the Vikings game because it was such a blowout but these two-minute drills neither guy has been relatively good at them uh but I trust Drew a lot more to get down the field than say Teddy who you know we've seen him throw just throw balls away or just throw it in the dirt or uh you know throw it behind guys and you just can't do that in those scenarios where Drew with his athleticism we, we've seen it he can he's a guy that can scramble get out of the pocket and make a play uh when he makes the right decision I just think that with a guy like that uh that's who you want you know that's that's the one that you I mean maybe it's not who you want but that's who you bet on right yeah. like if, if game's on the line I want Drew trying to lead the offense than Teddy and that's not to say Drew's a great player uh, and that I totally trust him because I don't, but I think he has a better shot of leading the offense down the field than say Teddy.
1: Well, and so you did answer my initial questions I was going to ask you, but you kind of like given me a few other questions that I want to kind of peck at a little bit. Um, because again, like, and I think this, like I'm, one of the things I try to do with cover two is I try to anticipate what I think listeners will wonder based on like, you know, what we're talking about. I saw the game. I obviously like Drew Lock definitely played better against the Vikings than Teddy Bridgewater did. I don't think it's if if you have a question about that, like you're you're going into it rooting against Lock and like and again right. like people were surprised that I was basically like, no, like he definitely played better because he did. Um, yeah. and I, and I, I'm even looking beyond the 80 yard touchdown because the 80 yard touchdown in part was the safety biting up. Like KJ yeah. Hamler won that route and play action won that route. Not to say Drew Lock didn't throw a nice ball, but the concept won the ball for him. That was the touchdown, but. But he played better overall, top to bottom, you know, throughout the game. But the, the question I have for that is, if it's close, be, beyond that right now, that speaks to the fact that Drew is still having some sort of issues with, pro- I would assume, his accuracy. Um, I read your piece that you that came out, again, this is yesterday for the listeners, but you mentioned that in 11-on-11 11 11 to end practice, he went 0-3. Um, And yeah. again, like, Bridgewater is consistent, like, through his career, so maybe I'm wrong in camp. But through his career, Bridgewater, if he has nothing else, has consistently been very accurate. So, like, I assume that that is still kind of the case, even if he's having a lot of issues with everything else. And again, I'm very aware of all the other issues. But if it's if it's close, despite the fact that, that Locke had such a good game, I assume that that's the big thing is the accuracy issues crop up
0: for Locke more often than Bridgewater. It's accuracy um and that we saw that today in practice that the O for three you know it was interesting drew was leading most of practice i thought and then it, i th- i felt like it evened up when you know teddy threw the 60-yard touchdown pass and even then i was like i think drew won today but then the last team period for drew at least when he was in there um you know he went they did like the situation where they're trying to go down and score i don't i don't think there was a time limit or anything but basically like you kept you get you get to keep playing if you get first downs and he threw three straight incompletions and they, they went for, or they, they, they ran, they, he threw two incompletions. They ran the ball. Then it was like a fourth and five and he threw another incompletion and all three passes, the guy was open and he just missed him. And it was just bad throws. And there, there was a couple that, you know, maybe the pressure got to him, whatever. And, and the defensive line had a great day, but those sort of things can't happen. Right. Like, yes. and we didn't see that in, in Minnesota. I thought the best play he had and everybody's touched on it is the one to Judy on third. And I think it was like third and four. Yes. And he, he sat in Smash. the pocket. Yeah. And he delivered it to Judy. And I thought the worst play that Bridgewater had was a similar type play. I believe it was, it was a long third down. Cause I, I think they got a holding penalty or something. And he, he weighed in the pocket and he just tried to dump it down to, I think Royce Freeman on third down. And, and, I, I can't remember who was completed or not, but it was like, man, you got to take a shot there. Right. Or, or you, 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 uh, I think he, he, he didn't wait. Right. He did. He, he just kind of dumped it off. And it's like, those are the certain plays that obviously drew had the head, you know, um, had the advantage there, but, but today it's like, man, he's just inconsistent with his accuracy. And then the second thing that drew has struggled with in camp, at least that I've seen is he's not finding guys down. He's not finding guys open downfield. And we've seen that, really kind of from both of them but really drew has struggled in seven on seven in the red zone uh and also in the team period you know some days there's days he just doesn't throw the ball uh and they just have to blow the play dead and it's like that those sort of things just can't happen like you got to make a decision at some point point. And, and while it's nice to see him sit in the pocket and and you know go through his progression against minnesota and, and make that play there's been times in camp where he's waited too long and he, he you know he's been hesitant or he's been conservative with it and it's like, man, you just gotta go. you got to make a decision, you know take off whatever it is, throw the ball away. Uh, and we just haven't seen that. And, and so that's the thing that I want to see from Drew here on Saturday. And, and really Drew's in a position, I know everybody's talking about Teddy's in a position being the starter uh, having an advantage. I think Drew's also in a really good spot on Saturday because if he's going up against you know Seattle's second team or third team or whatever, uh, he, he should light him, him. up yep. yeah he should he should light him up yes. and if he does it's his job in my opinion if he goes out and does exactly what he did a week ago he should be the starting quarterback uh, and, and even if bridgewater goes out and does exactly what he did a week ago then i still think drew should be a starting quarterback it, it, that's that's my take on it but uh again i'm not the head coach so i don't know what they're thinking again i think vic maybe has this different idea of what he wants in the quarterback and i think maybe even the general manager, George Payton has a different view of what he wants in, you know, a franchise quarterback. I mean, I asked him that, you know, uh, a week ago in Minnesota about his comments and, you know, franchise quarterback versus franchise cornerback. And I asked him what he wants in a franchise quarterback. And he said, someone who can just go win you the game, no matter the personnel. And I think that tells you a lot because we know Teddy is not that, Yes, a- at least from what he's shown in his career, he is not someone that can go do that. Drew could I be. think I would lean, lean towards. He's not that, but I think he still has the chance to be that if that makes Great. sense, he has the talent maybe in his arm to be able to be that type of guy. So that to me tells me everything I need to know in terms of who the GM thinks should maybe be the starting quarterback. And that's, I mean, again, I know Teddy's his guy, but if we're going based off that answer, it should be drew. And that's, that's kind of, I think people were really
1: surprised. Cause again, I've been very, very skeptical and I've also been very, very critical of Locke based on, Last year was awful, and I and I would say yeah. getting into it in the Falcons game when you did, you missed some of the worst games, so you're lucky. <laughs> uh, but but the thing is, like, lock in that preseason game if he can can keep that going, based on the fact that you would hope that he can continue to grow and get better, you almost have to take that chance because the Broncos are playing the long game. I like part of it is you you're trying to maximize this roster for this year because you do have a lot of guys on one year contracts, but at the same time. Drew Locke has a rookie contract for two more years. Teddy Bridgewater, after this year, is a free agent. So even if Teddy Bridgewater comes in and looks competent, you'd then have to turn around and pay him probably ten to twenty million dollars next year, which makes it harder to surround him with the talent that makes him look good this year. Whereas if Locke can come in and look good, hopefully, if he can kind of start to iron out some of the issues in his game, you might have something. So I, I agree with you. I just I, I'm asking, I, I, I'm kind of picking at it just because. I think right now, based on most fans, we've only actually gotten to see the preseason game. So, like, to hear from camp, you know, that it's still close, for a lot of people, it's really frustrating because we don't understand why. I, I I do. I think I do. But a lot of people are asking me, like, how can it be close? Like, fan, like, what's wrong with Fangio, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, here's the thing. Against first-team defenders, if Locke is inconsistent with his accuracy and if he's holding on to the ball too long, stuff like that, if you're a defensive coach, you don't want that guy to kill you in games. And that's, and that, and again, I don't know necessarily the right answer. I think that's why we have a couple more weeks, but I do agree with you. I think if they're close, like they are right now, I would probably go with luck as well.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and it, again, it's so hard. And I know fans don't understand this because you know, it it's, it's hard to explain, uh, especially when we're, we're limited on what we can say when we're out there, but practice is scripted and, there's some things that they're doing that we'll chart and we'll, we'll tweet out there and it's like with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky
0: that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games.
1: Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. The,
0: what they were doing, like, like they, they were, they were in a play today that I was like, I was so confused. I was like, what is, what is the point of this? Where they were just like throwing the ball up and, and the, the, they were just wanting Justin Simmons to catch it and take a knee I was like, what well, are they just practicing like end-of-game interception? Like, what is this? But but that's a good example of like, do you do you chart that do you chart that as an interception? Things like that. And and there's there's things that happen. Again, there was the the great example of this. The the one-minute drill or two-minute drill that they ran yesterday. Yep. That uh, you know, they, they had two minutes on the clock. Drew had the ball. It was the first team offense versus the first team defense. And you know, they started at the 30-yard line. And they run a few plays. They get down to the red zone. Drew leads them all the way down to the red zone. Had this great play on fourth and three to Noah Fant for a thirty-yard gain. Well, they get to the red zone. There's 16 seconds left, and the clock runs out on the on the practice clock, not the game clock. The practice clock runs out, and Fangio just calls it. Just calls practice. Like so, we don't even know if Drew was going to complete that that two-minute drill. And so it's like, is that? A, do you say that's a success? Do you say that's a failure? Or and then you even factor in you know two I think it was two or three plays earlier Derek Tuska would have had what was an easy sack he beat Garrett Bowles off the edge and they just they didn't even they just complete he completed a pass like two seconds after he would have been sacked and they called it a first down it's like wait a sec like how do you so I, I think that that's the part that it's hard to explain like it and and I think it's hard for us even as media to say well Drew struggled today it's like well did he really did he really struggle or were they doing certain things that you know that the defense you know again it's, I don't know if I'm explaining this very well no, you not, are you are not, but it's so hard to tell some days that it's like and they do certain things like they're not running the exact same plays when Teddy's in there as Drew and so it's like it's hard to compare the two and then it's also hard because they the other thing that people don't realize is even if it's the first team offense a lot of times they'll rotate they rotate the wide receivers and so all of a sudden he's got yeah he's got the first team offensive line but he's got Kendall Hinton running a route against Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby is going to win that matchup ninety percent of the time. But if it's Jerry Judy, you have a lot better chance. And so it's really hard to be like, "Well, Drew missed on that play. There was no one open. Like, how come he didn't get rid of the ball?" And it's like, well, Kendall Hinton and uh you know Pearson l and and Brandon Mackworth, three wide receivers against you know Darby Callahan and and Fuller it's like well of course no one was open you know so it's like yeah. it's really hard to um again compare the two in practice a lot of days that's why that's why it's important these preseason games I think you can take a lot away you know a lot more away even though they are going against you know Vikings second team and it sounds like I I don't know how much Seattle will play their starters but it, it's it's gonna be hard to tell and I think that's part of the reason the coaching staff has been like yeah it's even Steven is like I mean, neither guy's just really done a whole lot some days, and it's it's just hard to tell. No,
1: it definitely makes sense. And that's one of those reasons why, like, I'm actually really curious to see what the offense looks like with uh, Bridgewater starting, just because if it is significantly different, it'll be telling. Because it felt yeah. like in the, in the Vikings game, there were some plays where when Bridgewater came in, they were running the same concept that Locke had to give Bridgewater a similar look using the concept. And again, like, I agree. Like, definitely, Locke, like, outplayed Bridgewater in that game. But if they're then running concepts that are more favored for Bridgewater in this next game, and then Bridgewater looks good, but Locke looks bad, then you start to understand why they're even Steven. But at the same time, like what you said, this is the opportunity for Locke to really prove I should have the job. Because if he looks competent running with the second team after what he did last week, like you start to say, like, why wouldn't you go with him in hopes that, again, if they're making a playoff push, you would think he'll get better over the course of the season
0: right well and the other way i look at it too maybe this is the wrong way to look at it but you can always start Locke to start the season and you know exactly what you're going to get with teddy let's say things go south to start the year and he plays terrible against the giants you can start teddy and you're going to beat the jaguars and the jets uh i I mean i i personally think they should go three and oh to start the season no matter who the quarterback is i mean it just sets up that way but i mean if things go horribly wrong you can always put Teddy in and he's going to win you some games. Uh, and so I, that's the way I look at it. You take the bet. Uh, again, we, we've all said it. Drew's ceiling is higher and, cool. uh, you know, Bridgewater's is Bridgewater's floor is higher, right? Like like yeah. the, the win total in terms of if Bridgewater's in there is probably somewhere between seven and nine, right? Or seven, seven wins to nine wins, right? Somewhere in there, maybe 10 at the most. And Locke, if he's, you know, a lot better than he was last year, Maybe they win eleven games, twelve games. But if he's horrible and is not, you know, is sort of like what he was last year. Maybe they only win five games. So that's the difference, right? And and to me, if I'm a head coach and I'm going into the third and final year of my contract, and maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. Maybe coaches would rather just say, oh, "Let's go with the safe bet." Uh, I'm gonna say, you know what, my my ass is on the line this year in, in terms of being the head coach for this team. I'm gonna put my chips in Drew Lock and see if he can get us to the playoffs rather than Teddy Bridgewater, who might get us like a, a 500 season or just above a 500 season.
1: And I think I'm in a similar boat because to me, it's like if you have a, a roster that's built to try and chase a Super Bowl this year, and you could have either the quarterback that you have to try and win with or the quarterback that if he continues to grow over the course of the season, you could potentially win because of in times. I take the bet because if he helps me win games down the road, like that's, that's worth it. Yeah,
0: you got to risk it to get the biscuit. Definitely.
1: Right. Is that what they say? Risk it to get the biscuits. That's what Bruce Arian says. Um, So one of the other things I really wanted to bug you on, just because, again, like a lot of guys you only hear little tidbits of, and then I'm trying to kind of put together what I think of a guy based on like the little tidbit and then the 20 snaps I see of him. Um, And a lot of these guys, again, the Broncos roster, they're doing, they just did their cut down to 85. Next Tuesday, they're cutting down to 80. And then the Tuesday after it's doing the 53. So all of a sudden half the roster is gone pretty quick here. So one thing's I was hoping to do is kind of just throw some names at you that I, I had an impression of based on the Vikings game, and kind of just get your thoughts. Um, it can be as simple as basically like you think he's safe, think he's not, think he's you're not sure, or if you want to talk about him at all, definitely can. Um, but I don't you know I don't want to put you on the spot too much with all these. Uh, does that sound good? Sounds good, cool. Yep. Um, so first one obviously is Trey Marshall. We talked about him a little bit. Um, the fact he's hurt, he's kind of probably out of the running right now. Um. It didn't sound like he's going to be on IR, though.
0: Yeah, he's, I think Vic said two weeks or more, something like that. So which I would say, uh, you know, he's not someone that stood out in camp. Um, I wouldn't say he's had a bad camp, but again, he also hasn't had a good camp. So and we talked about Caden and and PJ, who had really good camps and and a good game on Saturday. So I would say he's not safe uh, would be my answer on, on Trey.
1: Carry Vincent's the next one, um, and I was reading your piece a tough hey, one. Yeah, and you and you had mentioned that Carry Vincent uh, is a guy who has stood out for both good and bad. And then I also know he missed some time early on because of the COVID list. And he's a seventh rounder, but he's a seventh rounder like Moody, almost that they were higher on him than a seventh rounder. But that's just where he came to the roster.
0: He's a guy. I would say he's gonna he's gonna be on the practice squad. And the reason I say that is. I mean, most teams, they want to keep their draft picks um, in, in some fashion. And, and when you look at, let's say they lose Fuller and um, Callahan, you know, this this next offseason, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm not saying the depth would be bad, but uh, you would want somebody like a Kerry Vincent to compete next year to make the actual 53-man roster. So I would say he's, and, and he's he has been, I mean, I think Vic's quote today was, he's been up and down, and that's like the perfect explanation for him. Like there's some days that like he just gets beat. And then there's days like today that he makes a great play on a ball. And it's like, man, that dude has a lot of speed. And and he's been on a lot of special teams too. Uh, You know, he's been a gunner on punt. um, He's been a guy on, on some of the kickoff teams, uh, which I haven't, you know, I haven't been able to keep track of totally the first, second and third team kickoff team, but you know, he's, he's been out there, which is a sign that they want him to play some special teams. So I, I would say he's safe in terms of at least being on the practice squad.
1: They got plans for
0: him. Yeah.
1: Uh, Parnell Motley. And he's another one that I, I assume he's not safe in terms of the final cut down. Uh, just because again, I know early in camp he was getting roasted.
0: Yeah. And, and that has not stopped. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he got, he had a nice PBU today. Um, probably his best play of camp, but he also got beat on a touchdown today. Um, by Noah Fant. So I would say he's unsafe, but the thing with Parnell and, um, I know this for a fact the coaching staff likes him a lot uh i like him a lot a, yeah I, I think he's 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 a smart player and what i was explaining to somebody today is he's one of those guys that he he doesn't miss assignments like he's he's always where he's supposed to be he just doesn't make the play if that makes sense like he, he's not just getting like like he's not like just out of position like he's just getting beat by like you know Jerry Judy, who everybody's getting beat by Jerry Judy, but he's getting beat by he's just getting beat on plays. It's like he the speed's just not there for him at times. So I would say unsafe, but I think they'll I think he'll stick around to the last cut. I do. I think he'll he'll be one of those guys that they keep because I think they trust him in a lot of situations, and he has played special teams, and 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 I think they trust him on special teams as well. I, I didn't I don't remember what his special team snaps were, but I think they were decently high. They were, and it seems like he. I mean, he's on the depth chart. I mean, he was a little bit higher than I thought he would be. I think he was on the second or third string. And we still see that in practice. He's he's getting a lot of second team reps at corner. So, um, you know, I think that he's safe for another week, if that makes sense. He's another one of those
1: guys that I think could be like a sneaky addition to the practice squad late, just because like, he's a guy that you can put him on, put him on the practice squad. If you need to pull him up for special teams, you know, you can. And then if there's an emergency, he's already done it once. And again, like fans listening, like, we all think about how he looked last year, but here's the thing. Like he basically was signed on a Wednesday played on a Sunday. Like that's not yeah. fair to anybody. So, right. um, so I, you know, had to ask, but I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with them. I, I like him a lot. I hope he's needs- an Oklahoma guy. So he is, he is, he is gotta, an Oklahoma you know. guy. <laughs> uh, Josh Watson. Not
0: safe. Um, and the reason is Baron, I think because Baron Browning is back. I, I think that's a, a big reason why I say that and it'll largely depend on um you know how many linebackers they keep on the 53. I, I think that he's obviously competing for probably a practice squad spot which i don't know how many years he's been in the league i can't remember um well the thing but, the,
1: the thing with the practice squad is uh now and a buddy of mine told me that they're keeping the COVID rule where you can have six guys with any number of experience and i yeah. think that'll help him because i, I do Based on what I've seen, uh, because I, you know, I, I really focused on the linebackers when I went through the review this morning. Watson is probably the fifth best linebacker based on you know whatever Browning's showing. Like I think if they keep five, yeah. it's gonna be Watson. Um, unless they really like the promise of Robinson. But Robinson if that's is, that I was just about known. to say
0: Robinson is the guy that if if Watson doesn't get the spot, it's gonna be Robinson. And I think they really like Robinson. And we we've seen, I mean, he's He's getting second-team reps um, most of the days. At least he was until Browning came back. Now, Browning is, is kind of taken over the, that spot. But um, I, if he's if he's battling one guy, it's Robinson. It's going to be one of those two guys if they take five. If they don't, it, he's battling Robinson probably for a practice squad so, spot. But if, if, if like you said, this the six guys, which, I mean, I haven't even – I need to, to check up on that, but uh, I think that, that sounds correct. If, if it's six guys, I think Watson has a decent shot at making that because he's also been a guy that – has been a lot on special teams
1: and that's one of those things that that rule like i i only just found out about it i want to say two days ago because a buddy told me because it's one of those things that like you google it and you can't actually google it so i've been struggling yeah. with that too so it's the way the nfl has done their COVID stuff has been really weird with all that um i want to like i assume justin Sternod, say if you and i have talked about it already um that was my next guy but i want to ask you about the edge four battle just because i didn't already um, obviously I think the big three, it's Jonathan Cooper, Derek Tuska, and Andre Mince. Um, yep. and Mince being in concussion protocol doesn't help him. Um, I, I think Cooper has outplayed Derek Tuska, but I haven't seen him in practice.
0: Yeah. Jonathan Cooper's as if, if you had to pick today, Jonathan Cooper is, is that guy at, at, at the fourth, you know, edge, edge outside linebacker, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's had a tremendous camp and, you know talking to him and and a few people around him and again i i know they're a little bit biased but i do think he he his stock dropped a little bit uh when the ekg came back and you know he had the heart things that yeah. were going on and and obviously he missed a lot of the off season but uh man his motor is so high i mean he he might play the hardest of anybody on the entire team i mean they had i thought so yesterday at practice i thought it was the worst practice they've had all of training camp. It was just the energy was low. People weren't. It just seemed like guys weren't practicing hard, except for Jonathan Cooper. And you can say that about him every single day. I mean, that dude just works his butt off. And I, I think that that's eventually is what's going to give him the edge there. And he's making plays. I mean, he, he's he's making plays in practice. I thought he he played well against the Vikings. I know he didn't have a sack, but it seemed like he was really close on a few plays. And I know I think Andre Mints is is. I think he's going to steal that that practice squad spot. I, I know he's in concussion protocol. I think he's going to steal that from Tuska because really Tuska, he hasn't. I mean, other than the, the sack he had the other day, which looked like Bulls just like, I don't. I, again, I don't want to say Bulls just like didn't participate in the play, but I mean, he Tuska just ran right by him. I was like, that was odd. Uh, other than that, he hasn't really done a whole lot, and yep. I don't think he really stood out in the Vikings game either. So I think that, and and I know for a fact that Vic uh loves mints i mean he talked about hey him uh, you know you know during rookie mini camp you know he said that they were really lucky to get him as an undrafted free agent and he was really productive at vanderbilt uh and he's a big guy i mean he's i think he's bigger than cooper so uh, you know i think they really like him so i would say if, if you were to have me rank those three it would be cooper mints then then tusca and i think they'll keep mints on the practice squad i think that's a guy that is is safe for now at least i, I don't know how long he'll be out with a concussion Hopefully he won't be out too much longer and he'll get to play maybe that last preseason game. But I would say he's, he's definitely safe for now. Selfishly. Part of me is almost thinking because he's in the concussion protocol, it increases
1: his chances of slipping onto the practice squad. But cause yeah. I'm, I agree. Like he, he, he reminds me of a young Malik Reed and the fact that he can actually drop into space. He can actually rush the passer. He has the quickness. Like I like him a lot and I think he's going to down the road. He'll, he'll be, he'll make the roster probably next year is what I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit. I also know that Ed Donatel said this, uh, Deshaun Williams is safe.
0: Yes. Yeah. Deshaun. When, when, when Purcell went down early in camp, uh, with the ankle sprain, Deshaun looked great. Uh, when he was getting first team reps, he, he looks really good. And we, we talked to him. Oh God, it must've been two weeks ago now, but, um, you know, he he said that he really wants to work on his pass rush and, and that he feels like he's really good in the run game and and I would agree with that and, and but I think we've seen him take some you know some big strides uh, in, in the in his pass rushing game so yeah I think he's safe and he he's obviously a guy that I mean it depends on how many guys they take there at the defensive line I don't remember how many they they took last year I want to say. Uh- five or six.
1: Yeah. They typically carry Vic fair typically carries between five and six more often than not at six. I want to say early in camp last year, it was five or early in the season yeah. last year it was five, but it ended up floating up as you know, injuries happened.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and so with Purcell having some injury history, I think Deshaun is definitely safe because you, you need somebody that can be that, that backup nose tackle that run stopper in there, you know, in the middle. So I think he's definitely safe. I, I kind of, and again, maybe I'm wrong, but I think Steven's safe too, based on what I saw
1: in the Vikings game. Like he, he was the best yeah. defensive lineman probably for a big chunk of that game. He was, it was not fair watching him play against backup Vikings.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think the six, if, if you, if they take six, it would be uh, Jones, Harris. Um, I'm blanking. Oh, Purcell, Williams, Ajim, and Steven. Steven. That's Those would kinda, be the six. That's,
1: that's kind of where I'm at too. Uh, and so I guess I kind of, tells me so jonathan harris to me showed up in the vikings game but i feel like you just said i think the numbers game is hurting him but i think if there was an injury of one of the top six i personally think that he looked the best in the vikings game but i don't know if that's kind of held up in practice too
0: yeah he's had he's had a, a decent camp um i wouldn't say great but i would say probably a, above average camp and and uh his his thing like you said if there's an injury uh he's a guy that i think is right there um and when when ajim went down he was a guy that i think a lot of people were like okay if ajim's out for quite a while um you know he's hair you know he's gonna make the team but uh if ajim is not hurt and let's say ajim goes out there and actually plays on on saturday which seems sort of up in the air um and has a good game then i think that his chances go way down but maybe ajim goes out there and plays awful and maybe he he, he gets another chance so you know it, it's still kind of up in the air. i would say his is up in the air but i would lean towards unsafe
1: uh, Trinity Benson, we kind of touched on. I, I think it's up in the air because we have to see what he does over the remainder. And I also think the receiver room is so deep, but I like, and again, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that he's probably the fifth receiver.
0: Yes. And the thing is, is, is if, if Trinity goes out and he makes a tackle in special teams, let's say he makes one on kickoff or punt or whatever, he's going to make the roster because there's literally, he has checked every single box to make this team except for except for that and even even in the return game i thought the punt he the punt return he had uh against the vikings i can't remember if it was after the safety or or the other punt. i can't remember but he he returned it really well got called back because of holding but it was and, like man he's got and, some burst right yeah and that touches on my next
1: guy is kendall hinton kendall hinton is actually the guy who had the holding penalty and to me yeah. and again i am somebody who is rooting for kendall hinton based on the fact that he you know stepped up in a really shitty situation last year but he's, he's doing everything except the pass catching part based on what I saw in the Vikings game. But I, I haven't seen practice.
0: He hasn't done much of it in practice either. He, you know, early, early in training camp, he, he caught quite a few balls. Um, you know, he was up there, you know, uh, kind of with Trinity in terms of just catching passes. He hasn't found the end zone a lot. That's the thing with Trinity that that's different than Kendall in the sense that Kendall's catching passes most days, like he's, you know, he's getting open and, and things like that um but trinity's catching touchdowns i mean and they're they're not like just any touchdowns i know that ones he had in, in saturday saturday's game uh were only like four yard touchdowns but in practice he's catching like 50 yard bombs <laughs> he's just like just running by dudes uh and so i think that's the difference and if, if kindle wants to make this team i think he has to beat out a guy like trinity right like like that's where he it, it's one or two it's one of those guys that i think is going to make this roster and right now i think it has to be trinity and now that I do think Kendall could maybe make the practice squad. He could be one of those guys maybe. Uh, But I I just don't, I don't see him making the 53 man roster at this point. That's where
1: I'm at with him because partly, and again, this is kind of touching on the next two receivers. I know I have a lot of these, so I apologize. No, you're Uh, good. Deontay Spencer creates a numbers problem in the wide receiver crew. And again, like you touched on it already, the fact that he's essentially a returner only. Um, And honestly, I kind of thought that that was one of the reasons why they signed Adrian Killings. Was that potentially they can maybe cut Deontay Spencer, keep Killings on the practice squad, and then they have KJ Hamler for the actual duties. And then if he gets hurt, they could potentially bring in Killings for the return job. I don't know if that's actually like in the you know in the cards at all. I know this is very recent that they signed him, but that's what I saw when they did sign him. Is because Killings has a very similar skill set to Spencer. He just hasn't been the CFL.
0: Yeah, and the thing with Spencer and. Again, I'm not the head coach because if, if I were the head coach or GM, I I would lean towards let's make Hamler the return guy um, and let, let him go and, and obviously use him in the offense as well or, Trinity, or Trinity, a guy like Trinity Benson. Um, but I can tell you the coaching staff really likes Deontay Spencer, and that's what's keeping him afloat right now because I think a lot of teams would just be like, all you do is return, which again, I don't want to take anything away from Deontay. He's a great return guy. I mean, he's, he's really good at that, but you know, he's, how old is he? 27, 28 years old. Uh, he's had some injury issues this camp. Um, I just lean towards it again. If I were the GM, I would say he's unsafe, but since I'm not, I would say that he's like up in the air. I think they want to see him a little bit more. And, and we've seen him, um, you know, they've tried to run some of these, into rounds reverses gadget plays for uh for spencer and you know they occasionally work and and he's a fast guy but he's still not a guy that is catching passes down the field uh not the way that hamler or benson is so that to me you know is an indication that he may not make the team And and they've thrown it to him too i mean there's been plays where they've thrown it to him down the field and he's not create either he's not creating separation or he's just not making a play on the ball so I mean, again, I personally probably wouldn't keep him, uh, but I I could see a scenario where they're like, we want to keep him because he's a great return guy. But it does cause a huge numbers problem for, I mean, a guy like Seth Williams who, I mean, I I think I'd rather have Seth Williams on the team and, and let him progress and get better than a guy like Spencer, if that makes sense. No, it does. And this is one of those things that like I've gone back
1: and forth with because one of the problems with being a returner only is in today's NFL, kick returns aren't as valuable as they used to be. And so basically you're keeping a guy just because of what he offers as a punt returner and uh, a couple of years ago. So you probably weren't watching like, again, you're lucky for this, but there was a game where Brandon Allen was the quarterback. Uh, they had Cortland Sutton and no other receivers because Emmanuel Sanders had gotten traded after quitting on him in the Titans game. Tim Patrick wasn't off IR yet. So their number two receiver in the Browns game was Deontay Spencer. And they didn't have a, like, again, like I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to take anything away from him but his size creates issues as a receiver because he doesn't have a big catch radius and he's not such a good route runner that he's creating enough separation to make up for it. Like KJ Hamler is so good at creating separation that it doesn't matter that he's small. Like it does, but he can, he can get around that issue. Deontay Spencer right. doesn't do that. And then, so that's, that's where I'm at with him. I just, I think it limits what you're doing with the rest of your personnel. So I, I do agree with you. And so that's where I'm at with him. Like he, you basically have to be a world beating returner to make up for that issue. And right. I I think he's good. I don't think he's a world beater. Um, but I think if they keep Deontay Spencer, I don't think Cleveland's safe. And I don't think, I don't think Seth Williams or Brandon Mack are safe. Like they're all right. I think they carry six receivers. So if they keep Deontay Spencer, all three of those guys are probably on the bubble.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and. Cleveland's can was
1: bad too, but.
0: Um, I'm blinking. You just said his name. Oh, Uh, Brandon Mack. Brandon Mack. Yeah. He, yeah, he's, he's not safe. Um, Seth Williams, he's. I would say he's up in the air uh he'll make the practice squad again if if you're a rookie and you've been drafted unless you're just really bad or you get like seriously injured you're gonna probably at least make the practice squad yeah um but there was one other I can't remember how am I blanking on this other oh Tyree Cleveland Tyree Cleveland and again I don't I don't want to like throw guys under the bus or or whatever but to be honest he just has not had a good camp uh he's been hurt um which obviously is not good i uh, missed like i think a week and a half or 2 weeks of practice and then even when he's been healthy he's not caught a ball um you know he he caught maybe one or two to start camp and then had like several drops in team periods and then since he's been back i don't think he's caught a pass in any of the team periods and so this game this is a big game for him he's a guy that like if, if you're a diehard fan and you're wondering who's going to make the 53 man roster in the practice squad, keep an eye on Tyree Cleveland. Cause if he goes out there and you, you don't ever hear his name, that is a very well, yeah. bad situation for him. And he's probably not going to make it. And, and again, I haven't seen him e- even working with a ton of like return, you know, in, in the special no. teams so far. And I know that he was a return guy last year. So, and he was a guy, I think a lot of people, myself included, we saw that last game. I think he had think four of his six catches in that last game. And I was like, man, maybe Tyree can be, you know, a guy, maybe he can step up and it just, it just hasn't happened. And I don't know if that's because of the injury or what, but uh, you know, a lot of guys have just kind of passed him up.
1: Yeah. He's one of those guys that they drafted him last year based on the fact that he added a lot to special teams. So it seemed very damning to me that I want to say he had three special team snaps against the Vikings and They used him on nasty splits, so they used him as a blocker, and I thought he did okay on that. But, like, they they basically – I think Bridgewater threw at him once. He didn't catch it. So, he's – yeah, he's in tough shape. Uh, so, the last, the last four, I'm going to kind of – so, Brett Jones. Uh, Brett Jones was a really late addition. This is what I saw in the Vikings game. They, they played him at guard, even though he's originally a center. I think he's miscast – like, me personally, I think he's miscast as a guard just because I don't think he pulls very well. But – I think that he may be like the third string center. If they don't trust minors, like he might be the guy that steps in if minors can't do it. Maybe. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, I agree. Uh, they like him. They like him a lot. And I think he's a smart player. Um, and when, again, we, we talked about earlier with center. You have to be a smart player. You have to understand uh, defensive fronts and things like that. And, and I, I don't know how long he's been around. I can't remember exactly how long he's, he's been around, but he's a guy that again, I don't know the exact practice squad numbers. I feel like I've said this a lot for a lot of guys, but he's a guy that I think you try to keep if you can on the practice squad, because like you said, let's say Lloyd goes down and and you don't trust cushionberry or you don't, you know, maybe you don't want to move Glasgow, whatever it is. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think you can plug and plug and play if you, if you really have to, if it gets really bad. Uh, but the other thing that he's battling is what I said earlier. I think if, you know, Cushenberry were to go down, I would not be shocked if they just moved Glasgow. Glasgow over. And, you know, that would, for a guy like Brett Jones, that's not good for him in his situation, uh, because then you're talking about they already have two backup centers technically in minors in Glasgow. So he's in an interesting spot. I would say unsafe, but I would not be shocked if he made the practice squad.
1: And that's kind of, the fact that they were trying him at guard to me was a sign that they probably are confident that he can step in at center, but that they yeah. w- to keep you on the active roster as an interior offensive lineman, you kind of have to fill multiple roles. And like, and I think to your point, like, I just, I don't think he's, I think he's a center only guy and that's going to probably hurt him. But if you can get him on the practice squad or even basically like a, Hey, we'll call you if we need you type of thing. I think they would. Right. Uh, Drew Himmelman. When I talked to Ryan O'Halloran, Drew Himmelman was the one like quote unquote, no name offensive lineman that came up. But the reason he came up was just because he was so tall. Um, I was surprised that he did not look like a fish out of water in the Vikings game. I don't think he impressed me, but he didn't look bad. He just – he didn't look – you know, it didn't look awful.
0: Yeah, I – he's he's another guy that – he's kind of in a situation like Brett where it's like I could see him making the practice squad. I just don't think it will happen. I think they really like um, Quinn Bailey who, uh, you know, obviously it, – it, that's a spot that um himmelman will will have to battle uh he does stand out because he is so freaking tall i think i think it was nick cosmeider with the athletic that said that if he were to make the team he i think he'd be the tallest nfl player of all time like ever i didn't know that Uh, which is like yeah which is insane it's something like that uh and so that's cool but other than that like he's not a guy that's like totally stood out but i again I I have to look at the practice squad numbers, Uh, but he could be a guy that can make that. But I would think they would lean towards Quinn Bailey just because his name has come up a lot more than, than Drew's. And, and again, I don't think it means nothing that at the start of this right tackle battle that Quinn Bailey's name was thrown in there. I mean, that means something uh, that they at least are a little bit high on the guy. Um, And so I would lean towards him making, you know, the practice squad maybe over a guy like Himmelman.
1: Makes sense. Uh, And then, you talked about Austin Ford a little bit. Um, so this is how I see the tight end room. And again, like, tell me, you know, what you think. No fan, Alberto, obviously, they're locks. I think Saubert's tight end three. I think he might actually see some snaps in certain situations over Alberto just because he's such a good blocker. And yeah. then I, and then last year, in the way Shermer's rosters typically go, he tends to carry four tight ends and or fullbacks. That said, if they go heavier, he might carry more. But at that point then if they're carrying four to me, it ends up being Adam Prentice, Andrew Beck and Austin Ford are all fighting for one job.
0: Yeah. And, and and as much as I think fort um, has had a, you know, a a decent camp um, I think they're going to lean towards Beck on that just because Beck can play fullback. And that's not to say, you know, I was, I was telling somebody the other day that I think if you, if you had to, you could put Fant back there to play fullback or what, I mean, I don't, you don't want to, that's not ideal. But okay. I think a lot of those guys could probably you could convince to, you know, play fullback. But Beck obviously has that experience. And I would say if if you were to ask me who's had a better camp, Beck or Fort, I'd say it's pretty equal. And when it's equal like that, they I think they're gonna give the benefit of the doubt to Beck, uh, just because he does have that experience playing fullback. So and, and the other one, the one that, that is a little bit interesting is Prentice because he is that only fullback. You know, just just a fullback. And I think that sort of hurts him in a way, but also helps him if that I don't know if that makes any sense, you know, but but he's had a really I thought he's he's kind of stood out in camp when, when they're running the ball on the goal line. He's their guy. You know, he's he's out there leading, you know, being the leading blocker. So it's an interesting situation there
1: if they were running the Scangarello offense from a couple years ago, I would say that Adam Prentice is going to make the roster just because his Vikings. And again, based just off the Vikings, his Viking game was good. Um, and, and again, for how heavy they were going, it made sense that like he was like, that he could make it. Um, so to me it's like, uh, I want to say it was yes. Again, this is two days ago for listeners. I want to say he was asked about, and I want to say Fangio said that he's going to have to show something on special teams. Yep. So to yep. me, like, that's one of those things I'm going to try and keep an eye on for the Seattle game is like, do Beck or Prentice show up on special teams? Because Beck played a lot of them yeah, last year, and that helps yep. him, because Shermer last year basically doesn't use a fullback.
0: Yeah, and where you'll see him on special teams, at least what I've seen, is uh, on kickoff return, him, Fort, and Sauber have been, and, and uh, Sean Beyer, who, I mean, we haven't talked about a ton, but. I mean, I don't expect him to make the team, but those four have been those guys on that back end, uh, blocking and Prentice has been really good at that from what I can tell. And again, it's, it's hard to tell. I, I don't know a ton about kickoff return, but he's, he's really physical and he's extremely strong. He's a short guy, but he's extremely strong. Uh, and, and, and so that's where, you know, if he's going to make special teams, I think it's on kickoff return and probably punt. Um, you know, I think he's been one of those guys on punt that that's blocking kind of there on the back. Uh, so, you know, I think that if he's going to make it, that's where it is, but I could also see a scenario where maybe they want to keep a guy like that on the practice squad and then they elevate him one week because they know they're going to have to, I I don't know, maybe they know they're going to have a goal line situation. I I don't know. You know, that's the one area that I would be like, you want Prentice in there. Like I would have Prentice in there. If you, if you need to get one yard, I want Adam Prentice being the leading blocker out of all those, those guys that we just mentioned.
1: Yeah. No, and that's, again, if he, if, if the Vikings game is any indication to me, he's a guy that, like, you try to keep on the roster some way or shape or form or the right. practice squads. So, like you said, if you're pulling him up, you can. So it's good to know, like, I'm, you know, the Vikings game is not the only time he did
0: that. Uh, right.
1: So, so I lied. I have one last question and then I, I promise I'll yeah. let you go because I've kept you forever.
0: Do you think this, <laughs> do you think this Broncos team can make the playoffs? I do. I do. I think, I mean, I think, um, uh... Again, I, I feel like people have said this all off season. I really like this roster. I really think that this roster is talented, top to bottom. But when the biggest question mark is the most important spot, that's where it's hard to be like, "Yeah, they're going to make the playoffs." Because this is such—I mean, we, we've seen it time and again. And, and I know I'm more of a college football guy. At least that's what I've covered the majority of my career so far. But the NFL has has it's an NFL, It's a quarterback driven league, right? And Unless Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater can show us that they're better than maybe, and maybe not even better. Drew needs to be better than what he has been in his past. I don't know about Teddy. Teddy could probably be the same, and they could maybe possibly make the make the playoffs. But the reason I, I say yes they can make it is I do think right now Drew is going to be starting quarterback. And if you go back and you look at his stats at the end of the season, and again, I'm not saying these are good stats, but the last six games of the season I tweeted it out, he was relatively decent right? Like he, he showed some improvement. He threw nine touchdowns, five interceptions compared to seven touchdowns and 10 interceptions in the first seven games. And to me, that shows a little bit of growth. And let's say he picks up from that, right? And he he does what he does last week and, he, and he's, and he's building on whatever he did. And let's say for the first six games of this season, instead of nine touchdowns and five interceptions, he throws 10 touchdowns and four interceptions or 11 touchdowns and three interceptions. Well, you're, you're probably looking at I don't know, three and one or six games, so it would be what four and two, and I think that'd be a pretty good start for this team. And and what what it's going to come down to, and I said this I think on uh, um, on Troy's podcast a couple of days ago is is the divisional games for me. I I think that when you look at the Raiders and Chargers, those are games they have to go win because we already know the Chiefs are going to be tough games, and they do get they do get lucky with the Chiefs though this year, playing in the last game of the season. That that could be a real scenario where. The Broncos are playing to go to the playoffs. The Chiefs already know they're in the playoffs and they're going to rest their guys. I don't know if they would actually do that in a rivalry game, but who knows, you know, at the end of the game, at the end of the season. But I look at those Chargers and Raiders games. Those are going to be key. They, they should beat, in my opinion, they should beat the Raiders, right? Like they should beat the Raiders in both games. I think they're a more talented team. The Chargers, I think it's kind of a split scenario. Uh, But if they can steal one in, in Los Angeles and also beat them here, I mean, Let's say they go four and two in the division, they're going to make the playoffs if they go four and two in the division. I think that's what it comes down to. If, if they go four and two in the division, they'll make the playoffs. If they go three and three. I think they'll be, you know, kind of right there on the edge. But if they go two and four for some reason, I, you know, it's going to be tough. But, but yes, to answer your question, yes, I think they can. Will they? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's gonna be really close. I really do. I think. I think that they're gonna go. I, I've said from the beginning. I think like nine and eight, ten and seven is is what was what they're gonna do. And I don't know if that'll be enough to get them in uh, in the AFC. But but they, there's also scenario again, like I said earlier. I think you know, in, in perfect world, Drew becomes the quarterback that everybody think he thinks he can be, and they win eleven or twelve games. And I think that does put you in the playoffs.
1: I think that makes you a Super Bowl
0: contender with this defense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing. This defense, again, they should, they got to start the season 3 and 0 too. I, I, they they do. They they need to beat the Giants and then they should crush the Jaguars and Jets. I I truly believe that. And then Agreed. I think who do they play after that? The Ravens. Ravens. Then it starts to get tough, yeah. That that's that's a real test. That's when we're really going to know what this team is made of in my opinion because they could start the season 3 and 0 and still go 7 and 10 on the season in my opinion. So, you know, that's where we'll really know what this team can do. Definitely. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, and, yeah, and, I, I apologize. I go long and no. I just that's talk can talk. Oh,
1: that's so. what this is about. Like I, I love talking ball. So I, I really appreciate yeah. it. So uh, guys, if you do not follow George on Twitter, go do it. He is at George Stoya, uh, S T O I A. Uh, also read his stuff at the Gazette. I do. Uh, I subscribe, go subscribe. Um, yeah. Thank you again.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Joe. I really appreciate it.